0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: The Saturday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio leading up to the Super Week. We've got a guy who will comment on the upcoming Super Game and a whole bunch of other things. It's something we usually deal with the day before the Super Bowl, which... They dealt with in advance, and he can only tip his hand so much with us tonight. I'm referring to the Hall of Fame vote, and they will have their official announcement the night before. Here to tell us just a little bit about the process, he's not going to reveal the secret sauce, but we'll uh, see what we can get out of him anyway. NFL author and columnist, Hall of Fame voter, and the host of the podcast "The Goat," Tom Brady, Gary Myers joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. It's been a minute, Gary. How you doing?
2: I'm doing great, Jody. How are you? Yeah, we haven't spoken for a while.
1: It has been a while, and that's uh, unfortunate. That's my loss and my bad, but we'll rectify that over the next 10 or 15 minutes, or at great. least we will try. Uh, as I uh, said in uh, your announcement there, a um, little different in your duties as a Hall of Fame voter this year. You guys already had your big meeting, did so virtually. How different was that?
2: You know, as strange as this is going to sound,
1: it really wasn't all that much different.
2: We'll usually sit in a conference. I mean, just the timing of it was different. As far as the meeting went, Jody, I mean, it was really very similar to what we do every year. Instead of sitting around a big conference room, we were all on our computers. And as I'm sure that most of your audience has experienced during the pandemic, Zoom is like the new thing. Yep. And there were 48 voters and about three or four people from the Hall of Fame, you know, David Baker and some of his uh, executive committee and whatnot. And um, the procedure was exactly the same, where one person made the presentation for a voter. And then we, you know, there was 15 different people that made the presentations and we voted from 15 to 10 and 10 to 5. And um, and we'll find out. uh if if I know that they're planning to make the announcement on the NFL honors show, whatever form that comes in uh a week from tonight um i i it's not even like I have to like tell you I know, but I can't tell you it's truthfully, I don't know who got in um they did not tell us okay. so. I'm anxious to find out myself, to tell you the truth.
1: All right, that's fair, and I believe you, and you're an honest guy. Uh, mm-hmm. But the one thing I, I'm trying to figure out is, and I've discussed this with you before many times, as a matter of fact, you've done it for for years now. I've never seen, never been witnessed, so I always get all my assumptions secondhand. It sounds like there are conversations, and in some cases, even got to the level of debate how did that? Was it just so easy and clean that even though everyone was zooming in from all over the planet, that the uh, debate it, slash argumentation of it was not all that affected?
2: It really wasn't. I, I know it sounds so weird, but you know they had a great system in place where you know somebody made the presentation and you click a button if you wanted to speak up, and and they had a moderator who would. Or David did it himself, where uh, they'd say, "Okay, Gary Myers is next, or Peter King is next, or whatever," and um, you were able to—I was able to see on the screen what the cue was uh, on on the order of people speaking, and um, it it, it really was the same. I mean, there are a lot of people who've said since then, "They can we just do it on Zoom (laughs) every, every year?" I mean. It really was a very effective um, way of doing it under the circumstances. Now I'm sure that we're going to go back to the day before the Super Bowl and they're going to fly all the finalists in and David will go knock on the doors and I'll have the camera crew with them and they make it a big deal. They like doing that and it's kind of fun to watch. Sure, But um, considering what we're all up against, really the only thing that changes is instead of doing it the day before the Super Bowl, we did it you know, 17 or 18 days before the game, because we did it a week ago, Tuesday. And um, so it, it gives them plenty of time. I'm sure they're contacting, you know, the 15 finalists and then the coaching senior and and contributor finalists. And I'm sure they're contacting them and doing it by zoom and, and maybe taping that and that'll be shown on NFL honors. So you get some degree of uh, excitement and surprise that comes out of it, but um, I, I thought it went really smoothly. And uh, I don't know how many people were going of, of these of the committee members were even going to the Super Bowl, so they kind of had no choice but to do it this way. Um, and I, I, seriously. If we do it this way in the future, I wouldn't have any
1: objections, although I I doubt that's the way it's going to be done. I'm going to trust you at your word. Uh, Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, then you should be able to uh, certainly lend your opinion on this. Um, You mentioned cutting down from 25 to 15 and down to five. Those happen in stages. Sometimes... The, the the tougher part is getting the earlier cutdowns done and the last one is easier because the guys kind of stand out. Sometimes the debate comes for who's actually going to get in and who's just off the cut on the wrong side. Which was tougher, cutting down the original list or coming up with those who are being inducted?
2: Well, you know, we start off with a list of about 125. And then electronically, we voted down to 25. And then to the final 15. Honestly, I've never really had a hard time cutting it to 15. But I, I find it the hardest part is when we get to the final 15, because ultimately all 15 of those, except in rare cases, will eventually get in. They're all tremendous players who had Hall of Fame careers, and it's just a matter of the timing, you know, two spot. Let me just say this: one spot at least was taken up this year. We know Peyton Manning is getting in, uh, but there's some years where there's no first-time Hall of Famers that are an absolute lock, so there are five spots available. This year, everybody kind of went in knowing, okay, we got four spots because Peyton's getting one of them, and who's not going to vote for Peyton Manning? Right. Um, and I had a hard time cutting it from 15 to 10, and 10 down to five because. Um, I could have easily voted for any any five of the 15 on the list and felt good about it. Because if you make it to the final 15, Jody, I mean, considering how many players are, are eligible and, and, and how many great careers they've, they've had, there's, there's been rather, when you get to the final 15, you are deserving. I mean, you've you, you have already been vetted all the way down to 15. So I think that's a, it's a great accomplishment. And then, you know, one other thing I want to tell you is, and I know that people compare the baseball process where I think they have over 400 voters yep, and and football where we just have the 48. And they say, oh, well, you know, f- baseball's better because it's a wider, it's a, it's a bigger cross section and, you know, a, a bigger uh, electorate or whatever, whatever you want to call it. And, and football is only 48. I'm telling you, we had a nine-hour call to talk about 15 candidates plus (laughs) one senior coaching and and, um, contributor. I know because of when when we voted down from the 125 to 25 to 15, there's really no conversation that goes on then, okay? And then there's a tremendous amount of conversation from 15 down to five. Baseball writers get the ballot, and maybe some of them really labor over it, or maybe some of them just have it in their mind who they're voting for, but there's no discussion, there's no vetting of the candidates, there's no back and forth, you know, should we count the steroids, you know, should, should the steroids be a consideration, should they not, you know, uh, should Kurt Schelling's behavior since he finished playing, should that be a factor? There, there's no, like, um, open debate where you can really discuss the issues, unless some of these voters just, you know, talk among themselves, or at least at our meeting, you have an opportunity to be educated about some players you may not know as much about as you do about others. Um, You have an opportunity to perhaps be influenced or your vote changing based on information you didn't have going in um, by listening to really very in-depth debate. I think that's a much better process than just getting your ballot in the mail and maybe taking five minutes and checking off up to 10 names and sticking it back in the mail. I
1: That's would, just
2: my opinion, but I think our process is great.
1: I would say that is certainly a plus for your process as compared to the others, the fact that there is open conversation. And if you went for nine hours for 15 guys, then that was a damn good conversation. I can guarantee you that. Gary Myers, Hall of Fame voter, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. I, n- nice uh, natural transition into the big game next Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the podcast. The GOAT, Tom Brady. I think the last time you and I talked, you you, you were formulating the plan to do it or you yeah. had gotten together with the guys you were going to do it with and how it was going to uh, hopefully uh, formulate and turn out. Uh, how is the podcast, The GOAT, Tom Brady, going, and what do you get on a, a week-in, week-out basis?
2: Well, if I, if I say so myself, I think it's great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I. It,
2: a lot of it was based, say the the first twelve episodes, which is all we had really agreed to do going into this. It, it was based a lot on my Brady versus Manning book, but really just on the Brady part of it. Although I bring Peyton in for a couple episodes, um, and I, I used the tapes that I put together, the interviews rather that I, that I I conducted when I was doing the book, and then you know I updated by getting some more recent interviews. So. Episodes 1 through 12, Jody, are just taking the listener on a journey from Tom being a backup quarterback who didn't throw his pass a pass his freshman year in high school on a team that didn't win a game to being the GOAT with everything in between, the Michigan years, the, all, all the stuff that happened in New England, and then getting getting him to Tampa. And that's where the podcast kind of ends, the 12th episode. But what we've done now – Starting in mid-December, I've done five, and there's going to be a sixth after the Super Bowl of what I would call a weekly real-time podcast where it's based on what was going on at that time. So I've done five of these bonus episodes so far. The most recent was posted on Wednesday, and it was about I brought in um, Tom Brady Sr. Uh, and then Dan Shaughnessy from the Boston Globe to talk about what the reaction has been in Boston and Patriots Nation with Brady making a Super Bowl uh, with the Bucks instead of the Patriots, obviously. So these bonus episodes have really been, you know, just talking about what's, what's going on now. And, I, you know, I had Jimmy Johnson, Bill Cower, Al Michaels, Peter King on it. And so those, are, I, I think, have just really been very insightful with a lot of very respected people in the business, uh, giving their perspective on what was happening during the the, uh, the Buck season. So, I mean, if you're into football, it doesn't have you don't have to be a Brady fan um, or a Brady hater, which I know there's some of those. <laughs> um, if you're just a football fan, and you're the Patriots are really the narrative of the first two decades of of, of this century have really been dominated by the Patriots and Brady and now Brady with what he's doing in Tampa. So this really this podcast really tells the story of the first 20 years of the 21st century in the NFL using, you know, Brady as as a foundation to tell it.
1: So um,
2: I think it's pretty cool if I say so myself.
1: And Tom Brady has moved in. Front of Bill Belichick as being the man to drive the two decades this millennium so far. Right? We still have a couple of miles to go down the road, but Brady has certainly taken the lead. Uh, agree, disagree, confirm, or deny my statement. I would say that going into Super Bowl 55, Tom Brady is basically in a no lose situation. Fair or unfair?
2: Well, I don't think he would look at it like that because if they lose this game, he's going to be devastated because uh, that's just the way he's wired, and uh, I, I couldn't blame him. Um, I think the negative to losing the game is people will say, oh, "Wow, he's lost four Super Bowls." Uh, um, Jim Kelly lost four Super Bowls. You know, now of course Tom has too. won six, and Kelly didn't win any. <laughs> but you know, to, you know, LeBron has a losing record in the finals. I think he's four and six. Yep. Six and four is only a couple games over five hundred. Now he could have won a, easily a couple more of those games, uh, right. or he could but have. He, lost but he couple also couple. could
1: have lost them. They, he didn't. It's, he didn't exactly win too many blowouts. He never got blown out. But he also didn't win too many blowouts. His Super Bowl record is unbelievable. The closeness of the games in which he's played.
2: Yeah, I think that the the largest point differential in any of the games was the game they lost to the Eagles forty one thirty three and the the largest uh margin of victory was thirteen to three against the the Rams a Rams, couple of years yeah, ago most recent but jody of his listen of his first five Super Bowls, the largest margin of victory that he had was in the game that they trailed twenty eight to three late in the third quarter and they won by six by winning the game in overtime
1: in overtime
2: yeah and I, let, me, let me ask you this question. I, I thought of this the other day, and I really think it's true. And you never, ever would have said this other than perhaps Tom's first Super Bowl. I don't, think this, I don't have any doubt in my mind that other than the people that are rooting for the Chiefs, Tom is a sentimental favorite in this game. And let me give you two reasons real quick. One is anybody who's a parent, a mom or a dad, had to just love two scenes that you've seen recently. One is when he was on the field with Drew Brees after the game in New Orleans, and Tom threw a out passes to Drew's son, and he threw a touchdown pass, and the kid got all excited. I think that kind of warmed everybody's heart. And then after the game in Green Bay the other day, uh, Tom's son, who is not the son that lives with him, is the son that he had you know, with Bridget Moynihan. I think he lives in New York. He came to the game with um, some friends of, of either Tom or, or Bridget, um, and he sat in that cold weather in Green Bay, and we saw that film, that uh, clip of Tom walking over to the bottom of the lower deck at Lambeau and asking the security guard to let his son through, and he was hugging him and talking about how cool this is. and I mean – I related to that so much from my my son's days of pitching high school baseball. I mean, he was the athlete, not me. But, you know, after they won a playoff game in in high school, as soon as he met with his team, he ran over to me and gave me a big hug and, you know, telling him I love him and how proud I am of him. I just think that was such a relatable situation to watch Brady hugging his son in the stands, basically, after that game. I mean, is there a parent who... Who didn't look at that and go, "That is like the coolest moment," and I just think, I just think that is happy. it combines. And, and you know, his parents having not gone through COVID, and now they're good. And his, and his dad saying it was a life and death situation for him, and now they've thankfully recovered. And they're both going to be in Tampa for the game. His mom is a cancer survivor. I mean, again, unless you have money on the game on the Chiefs or you're a big Chiefs fan, which is certainly understandable. I don't know how like the average casual NFL fan or even a fan of another team is not saying, "You know what?" It would be a really cool story for Brady to win this Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, I um, am, I'm not going. You're doing a podcast about him, so I'm going to tell you Jet fans aren't going to root for him. Bill's fans aren't going well, to root let me for tell, him. I want to Tell us individuals them. that he's got the greatest life on the face of the planet aren't going to root for him. He's a more likable guy than he was five years ago or ten years ago. I will certainly give you that much, but I don't think it's 95-5 here across the country, I want to, everyone I want to, I want to, holding want to, hands and rooting for Tom Brady.
2: One of One of my best friends, is about the most fanatical Jets fan that I know. He's got four seats that he paid a ton of money for in that coaches' club at Midlife Stadium right behind the Jets' bench. I mean, he is hardcore and with the financial investment to back it up, okay? I mean, he's hated Brady and the Patriots probably as much as any Jets fan on the face of the earth. After he saw Brady and, and Breeze's kid, Um, after the game, he texts me, he goes, I got to root for Brady against the Packers. And after they beat the Packers and he saw the thing with Brady and his own son, he goes, how can you not root for this guy? I'm I'm separating my feelings that I had for him when he played for the Patriots. I'm not saying this because I'm doing a Brady podcast. I mean, truthfully, I I think I'm very objective. I've gotten to know Tom. I haven't talked to him all season. Uh, but, you know, I got to know him when I was doing the book. I happen to like him personally, but that hasn't impacted my objectivity at all. Okay. And I, I just feel, based on talking to some friends and hearing things and reading things, that that the public perception of Tom now is, wow, let's really embrace what we're watching here. This is a 43-year-old guy who's on the verge of winning his seventh Super Bowl. I mean, we're never going to see this again, Jody. And I don't know why, like, the average fan without a stake in this game would root against it.
1: Okay. I'll tell you. You you know
2: me well enough. This has nothing to do with – I mean, I don't have a personal stake in this um, at all. And I'm just telling you, like, I I feel – I just feel this way. Okay? I believe I mean, you. But I, I can tell, tell Gary,
1: you, Gary, I can tell you I've got a group chat with uh, eight other Jet fans that we can say uh, all reached out to me today, as a matter of fact, to wish me a happy birthday. Uh, I can guarantee you that every single one of them will be rooting against Tom Brady next week. Happy birthday, oh, by the way. Oh, for eight. Know. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. But uh, you've got a a soft-hearted friend who got warmed up by Tom being a good dad. And I give him credit for it, but I'm telling you, (laughs) there there aren't as many uh, Tom Brady lovers out there as uh, you're you're imagining. All right. uh, One last thing on the NFL in general. How weird, how wild is the quarterback carousel going to be this offseason? You've been covering the league forever. I've been covering the league forever. I don't remember heading into any offseason where so many teams have question marks about their quarterback coming back, retiring, trading, top of the draft. We could see so many different new opening day starters in different places uh, starting in 2021. I don't remember anything like this ever before, is it going to be as wild as it seems to be here before we ever end off uh, this season, before we get to the next? I think you can
2: go team by team throughout the league and find 14, 15, 16 of the teams that legitimately have a chance to have a new starting quarterback uh, to open the 2021 season. Obviously, the biggest is Deshaun Watson, but I don't think that necessarily we're waiting for Deshaun Watson all the other, you know, uh, uh, things to fall into place. Uh, Matthew Stafford is a different situation. Um, I think San Francisco could be interested in him. The Rams could be interested in him. Um, teams that wouldn't necessarily be in the Deshaun Watson uh, sweepstakes. If there is a if there's going to be a Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, I think those. I think the two teams, if Watson gets traded. Uh, are, are the Jets and the Dolphins because they have they both have the draft capital to um, uh, to send to Houston. I, I want to see how dug in he is on leaving Houston. It appears that he is, but he hasn't spoken to the new coach or new general manager yet. And I know there's been he's got some hard feelings about the, how the owner promised him that he'd have a say in the hirings. Uh, he it's not like he asked for a say they. Cal McNair offered it to him, and so there's hard feelings because he was not consulted on the general manager hire. I mean, these are the things in my mind I think could be smoothed over. He felt good enough about the organization six months ago or five months ago, whatever it was, to sign a contract that you know pays him almost forty million dollars a year. Um, if he got his feelings hurt by not being consulted for the GM, on the GM search, I think he can get over that. Um, especially if he likes this new coach, who apparently Culley is a is is a players coach. Um, Nick Casario is is a veteran personnel guy who was wanted by a lot of teams over the last three four years. Um, now the Patriots haven't drafted well, but I think that Casario is known to be a really good personnel guy. Um, I, I'm not sure that two months from now or as we approach the draft, that, I mean, I, I would say, and I don't know Deshaun Watson at all, but I, I would think let let the process play out here and let give the Texans a chance to sell him on a new vision, and then if he still wants to be traded, then they'll have no choice because you can't have the quarterback there if he doesn't want to be there. I'm just not convinced here as we approach you know, the 1st of February, we're not even at the Super Bowl, that I'm going to say definitively that he's going to be traded.
1: Check out his podcast, The Goat, Tom Brady, where you get your better podcasts. Oh, I think you'll have some new and uh, very insightful information going from here with Mr. Brady coming up in the uh, Super Bowl. Uh, GM, always my pleasure. Thanks for not telling us who got inducted into the Hall of Fame but giving us the insight to the process. Good stuff as always. I will talk to you uh, sooner next time. Thanks, bud. I just want to make sure you know
2: I promise you I'm not holding out on you I really don't know. I promise you that, and we've done so many shows together, and I love it when we disagree.
1: As yeah, we you're, did, um, you're, you're just is wrong the about. Sentimental
2: favorite or not,
1: the beloved Tom Brady. Yeah, that's just like I did say he was
2: beloved. I like just said in a game like this with all these things going on, I think he could be the sentimental favorite, sure. and maybe I'll run
1: a poll on Twitter next
2: week to find out how many who the Jet fans are. Really for Feel bad?
1: free to do that and get me the results. That is okay. uh, Ga- Gary Myers, my buddy, Hall of Fame writer and uh, NFL columnist and author here with us on CBS Sports
0: Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive, Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?